0: Let me pray and we'll, ask, we'll answer it. All right, All right, let's pray. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you so much for this evening, this time together. Thank you for those, Lord, who are present in the room, those who are joining us through the Internet. Lord, I thank you that, that you just are, are teaching us and, and, and imparting truth to us. And Lord, we acknowledge your Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves to Him. We give Him place as our teacher, um, as, as Lord, uh, as, as God, and, and as the member of the Trinity that Jesus, uh, you prayed the Father to give us And you said he would lead us and guide us into all truth. So we hunger and thirst for you. We hunger and thirst for your truth and wisdom in our lives. We ask that you help us bring our hearts to attention now this evening, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand your truth, your wisdom. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, praise God. Definition of bios. Definition of bios, all right. And yes, sir, we will get there uh, by way of review, but. Uh, just start the class with some questions before we actually started uh, recording or, or broadcasting. And so the definition of biology is pretty simple. Just think biology. It's, it's basically physical life. Physical life. And physical life um, is in uh, the flesh or the body. Okay? Um, so anyway, let's, let's kind of start here. Class number 26, 26 of 36. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's moving on. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, do I now? Amen. Well, we'll start it again in August for sure. Amen. So, we're on a section now. We're about to transition, really. The the, the teaching on spirit, soul, and body bridges us into the final push. Um, but we're, we've been answering some questions. Uh, and first of all, what is man? We said man is a God-class being. Man is a spirit being. Man is the legal authority on earth. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. And, of course, from there we talked about all the characteristics and attributes we possess because we were created in the image and likeness of God. And then finally we said that man is a triune being. Now I want to put uh, a modified version of the drawing up, and um, I'm a little bit, uh, amen, just in all things give thanks, okay? Uh, we had some issues last week, both with the audio recording and firmware update needed on the camera, and um, so... Anyway, praise God, that one was not captured, uh, either uh, by audio or video. So, I would normally do this anyway, but I'm deliberately going to do a little more extensive review tonight. Um, one, because I believe it's, it's needed, but also to try to compensate um, for uh, last week's class not being captured for those who have been you know, watching and following along on the internet, either live or uh, through recording. So, um, let's just do some brief explanation here. Um, I'm going to give you a lot of verses real quick. You've already got these in your notes if if you were here last week. Um, But the first one that we love to begin with, uh, Genesis 1 and 26, God says, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And the key words we're emphasizing this time through that passage are the plural pronouns us and our as opposed to me and my. God did not say, say, let me make man in my image, but let us make man in our image. God is a three yet one uh, being. He's a three yet one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created you and me, He created us, three yet one spirit, soul, and body. I look at you and I see the, the outward man. I see your body. Um, but the real you is the spirit that lives inside of that body. The real you is looking out the windows of your body right now at me, okay? (laughs) And and that's what we call the physical eyes, all right? So the spirit that that is uh, inside of your body right now is the real you. That spirit possesses something the Bible calls a soul. And your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. The part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses has to do with your thoughts, feelings, and behavior. Okay? And then we have this part of us that is our body, also known as the flesh. In the flesh of the five senses. And the Bible also refers to that part of us as the outward man. We looked at um, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where the Bible says that, 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 our, that the prayer is that we would be set apart unto God entirely, Um, completely, that your entire spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is sharp enough to divide the part of you that is spirit from the part of you that is soul, and the part of you that is spirit and soul from the part of you that is body, and that the Word of God is actually so sharp and has such penetrating ability that it can go all the way into the very marrow of your bones, Okay. It also says in Hebrews 4:12 that it's a thought it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, I feel compelled to say it again tonight. We covered this when we covered the power of God's word, or the word of His power. But remember again that in the same way that physical life springs forth from the marrow of the bones, um, we also see that life springs forth from the inward man out. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it springs forth the issues of life okay. Um, we said that the word of God a a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart it it not only understands what you do but it understands why you do it that's intent right and can help us bring correction uh, to every level of our existence every level of our being now there are those who believe that man is not three but only two and that's based upon verses that refer to the outward man and the inward man or that refer to the the flesh and the heart, okay? So we said last week that the heart is, um, is basically uh, this part of you. Um, if I was, could draw on that screen, but I won't, amen? Um, the heart is both the spirit and the soul, all right? And so that's why a lot of people think, but wrongly so, that there's only two dimensions instead of three. Um, but we know that uh, that's not the case because of what the Bible teaches us. And one of the key ways we know that it's not the case is because the Greek word for spirit is the word pneuma, the Greek word for soul is the word suche, and the Greek word for body is the word soma. So you are a pneuma, you possess a suche, and all that's contained within a soma. And my favorite way, the simplest way, to try to help you visualize that is hand in glove. Is hand in glove, okay? Here's another way of saying it, alright? Your spirit can live without your body, but your body cannot live without your spirit, okay? So, the, the spirit inside of the body that, that I'm looking at yours, you're looking at mine right now, uh, it's not the body, it's the spirit, okay? And the devil never wants us to believe that, he never wants us to think that way, he never wants us to see ourselves that way. Now, I, I'll get to this at some point, um, maybe in greater detail, but, but let me just say, if I could, at the very beginning tonight, um, all along the way, we've made some reference to this and I'm gonna make yet another reference to it now okay there are certain things that you have to learn because those things become a foundation for other things that you have to or need to learn um, we said the Word of God is built into our lives the truth is built into our lives line upon line just like a mason lays a brick or block okay you can't lay row 17 until you lay row 1, row 2, row 3 and when we talk about understanding spirit, soul, and body, I believe it is one of the most important things you can ever understand as far as something fundamental or foundational that will provide support um, and, and will unlock other things, uh, help you make sense of other things um, that we see within the Word of God. Now, what I am really, really excited about is what we're Talk about next is the new birth. But un- unless you will allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help you understand and see yourself as spirit, soul, and body, then you're going to be confused about the new birth, and, and, and the devil is, is always going to be trying to uh, confuse you uh, about what happened to you, that experience, but also what the Bible has to say about what is now true because you have. Experience a new birth or because you've been born again. Alright, so this, of course, is God. This arrow is uh, symbolizing two things. Number one, it's symbolizing direction. Um, direction. Uh, but it's also symbolizing connection. So direction, connection. And this word written on that arrow is the word zoe. Z-O-E. Okay? And this, this word means the life and nature of God. The life and nature of God. So when God formed Adam from the dust of the earth, he breathed into him his life, his nature, and he became a living being. Okay? And when he did that, the, 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 the uh, superior life form, Zoe, um, produced within Adam's flesh the lesser life form that the Greek, again, refers to as bios. So when Jesus says to a group of people who are biologically alive, I've come to give you life, He was talking about something in John 10.10, 10, something on a higher level than what they were currently experiencing. So when He said, I've come to give you life, He said to people who had bios, I've come to give you zoe. I've come to give it to you in overflowing abundance without end. Eternal zoe, eternal life. The life and nature of God in overflowing abundance and without end. Ending. Okay, that's a really good place for a Baptist nod, or an amen, or a grunt, or something. Okay, because you know this is this is what amen we amen Jesus came to do for us. All right, and so praise God. Um, let, let, me, let me see where we are. So uh, just a few more verses. Second Corinthians 4.7 um, Well, four sixteen says the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Second um, Corinthians. Uh, Four seven. uh, Well, I butchered that. Four seven says we have a treasure in earthen vessels, and and verse sixteen of that same chapter speaks of the outward man perishing, but the inward man being renewed day by day. In Genesis chapter two and verse seventeen, and here's just a classic example of what I was saying just a moment ago, um, because God told them if they ate from the uh, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that what would happen to them. He'll die, right? So they went over there and plucked some of that fruit off that tree, ate it, and they were still standing, right? They didn't—they didn't like kill over. And um, and so you think, well, wait a second. I, I thought God said they would die. Okay. So a more literal translation, again, watch me very carefully. In dying, you will surely die. So when they ate the fruit, they died spiritually they became disconnected. Remember, death means separation, death means separation, death means separation. Physical death is when your spirit and soul separate from your physical body. Spiritual death is when your spirit and God's spirit become separated. So that's sin. Sin separates, sin separates, sin separates. That's why sin brings death. Okay. So when they ate the fruit, they died spiritually because that sin separated them from God's spirit. It shut off this flow of zoe. Okay, But... They maintained a biological existence, right? But eventually, that biological existence um, uh, wound down, if you will. Um, And so in dying, dying, they surely died. Okay? So again, it's just a a simple way of trying to recognize um, these things. Now, with all of that said, praise the name of the living God. This is where we were at the end um, of, uh, of our last uh, time together. And, um, amen, let's, uh, let's see if I can hit the right verse here. Alright, um, yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to be. Thank you, Lord. Alright, so let me, let me just, if I could, real quick, am I boring you by, by this tone and this cadence? Okay, I, I, I want to I keep it real and exciting, and I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've read these things, studied these things, I had counseling sessions this week where I've, you know, explained these things, and it never gets old to me. In other words, we need to be reminded of this. It's very easy for us to lose sight of these things, and and we can't afford to do that, all right? So I tried to review that as thoroughly as possible, but also um, as quickly as possible. Now, this is where we ended last week, and it's another, again, classic example, Um, and it's what. It's what I call salvation in three tenses. Salvation in three tenses. And I mean verb tenses. So you can find verses in the Bible that speak of your salvation in the past tense. In other words, in terms of something that has already happened that's a done deal. But then you can also find verses, and this is true not just of salvation, but also of the ongoing work of sanctification. where the Bible says that we are being saved or we are being sanctified, have been saved, are being saved. And then you could also find verses in the Bible that speak of our salvation in a future tense. Um, and that would be what will be saved, will be saved. And so, you know, you're like, wow, you know, which one is it? And there's so much confusion over these things. That even denominations are divided. Churches, the body of Christ is divided into different camps who believe different things about those verses. I've already moved the, I meant to do this before I moved the drawing, but we'll come back to a drawing at some point. But the, the born again part of you that is the completed work is your spirit. That's the real you. When you were born again, your, your body wasn't born again. Remember, that was Nicodemus' confusion. How can a man when he's full grown go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He, Jesus said, no, no. What's born of the flesh is, fle- is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. So the real you, the spirit that's inside of you, um, that's the part that, that was born anew, born from above, um, born of a different seed, um, and became every bit new. Right? And that's, that's, again, that's some very good news. Now, that part of you that is the soul, the part of you that thinks and feels and chooses, you don't have to think very long to know that that's a work in progress. Am I right about it? That's a work in progress. I mean, wow, you know, we're, we're participating, cooperating with the Holy Spirit by being present in this class right now, by, by watching this later or listening to it right now through the Internet. Um, Because we're learning and growing. We're we're seeking and diligently seeking. Knocking and asking and and, and growing, right? And our minds ultimately are being renewed or reconditioned. Because the life that we had before we were born again, it conditioned us. This world has has in many ways programmed us to look at things certain ways and and, and from, from certain perspectives that are not God's ways, that are not God's perspective, right? And so... Your salvation is not dependent upon the renewing of your mind, but enjoying and experiencing your salvation is. It it, it absolutely is. Um, Because the more you think like the person you became the day you became a new creation in Christ, the more you're going to live like that person. The less you think in alignment with that, um, the less you will experience and enjoy. What's Remember we said have been given, have been blessed, all that, right? Okay. So, here is um, one more example, and there will be others, and I'll try to point them out to you as as we get to them. But here's here's one more classic example. And the first verse is 1 John 1, verse 8. And in 1 John 1, verse 8, um, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay? But then, in 1 John... Three nine, just two chapters later, he says, "Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his first John one 8. First John one eight. What does your say? You you're in a different chapter. Yeah. You're, in 3, You're in 1 John 2. 1 John 1. So, 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 3.9, 1 John 3.9, now listen to this. It says, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. What? <laughs> what? I mean, I, I know that I always put them up here and want you to look at them in your own Bible as well, but I just, amen, I didn't, put, I didn't make that up. He's saying that if you've been born of God, you do not sin, for his seed remains in the man or the woman who's been born again. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. There you go. See, somebody's catching on. So you're learning, right? So, notice now, it almost sounds like, but of course he's not. If you, do, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll think John's confused. John, you just got through saying, if we say we have no sin, we're alive, the truth's not in us. Now you're saying, not only do we not sin, but we can't sin. Again, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll never understand what he's saying here. And you'll never benefit from the truth of what he's saying here. Because in reality, in our flesh, we still do struggle and we still do commit sin. But the real you, my brother, my sister that's been born of God. Amen. That part of you has become so thoroughly redeemed and made new and one with God that you cannot sin. You cannot sin. Because the seed of His life abides in you. Finished at the cross. I'll tell you what I want to do. Amen. If y'all allow me to do this, I know you will. Um, I want to put Amen. We'll just find it when we find it. All right. Uh, These verses. I'd rather, I like it up here. Okay. So, again, if we say we have no sin, the truth's not in us. Right? But who's been born of God? Who's been born of God? Has he been born of God? Has he been born of God? No, he's been born of God. And now it's not just that, that God. When we're born again, it's not just that He kind of dusts us off and, and cleans us up and then sends us, you know, kind of pats us on the back backside a little bit. Okay, go, go, go now. Just be better. Do better. No, no. See, something so powerful, He makes you one with Him. He makes you like you've never sinned before Him. It's how He sees you. Because that's who we were born of His Son's seed, right? Okay, let's go. I, some of these I just won't put on the screen. it be easier for me to do it this way. Um, Hebrews 10 and 14. Hebrews 10 and 14. Man, memorize this verse. If you like to memorize verses, memorize this one. If you don't like to memorize verses, memorize this one. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 10 and 14, it says this. Holy Spirit's giving me ideas up here on how to do this better, okay? Amen. Another 65-inch television. No, I'm kidding. All right. (laughs) Amen. My wife's grinning. She knows. Technology can be a sickness if you're not careful. At least for me, it can be. All right. Hebrews 10 and 14. For by one offering, he, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By one offering. This is talking about the offering that He made of Himself, one sacrifice for all sin for all time. By one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Our being sanctified speaks of an ongoing work. Perfected forever speaks of something that is already complete. Sanctified is. There's a lot of people you get the question for the folks watching. Explain sanctified. Sanctified just simply means to be set apart from, so that you can be set a, apart unto. It's not just being set apart from the world, it's being set apart unto God. So when we talk about sanctification, our spirit has already been set apart and preserved blameless before God. Amen. And I'll show these verses to you as we progress through these these teachings. But the Bible clearly says that Jesus has done for you what He's done for you so that you can be holy and without blame above accusation before God. That's who you are right now, right here. Okay? But when we talk about sanctification as it applies to the the soulish realm, okay, what we're talking about there is being set apart from this world's way of thinking. Because remember, you can't change what you do unless you change how you think. The way you think is what becomes the root for the way you behave. One One of the serious mistakes people make is they try to change their behavior without changing the thinking that's underneath that behavior or that's driving that behavior. So sanctification in that respect, is it would be, remember, remember when we started way back, and we're going to bring enmity up again tonight, but remember when we started way back, we talked about the ministry of reconciliation. Man, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? And that, that fancy word reconciliation, but we, we use the example of reconciling a checkbook. And we said that, you know, you, you have your checkbook, and you got in the registry of your checkbook, you know, you flipping through it, and you got what you think you have as far as money in the bank. Then you get the statement, right, from uh, Regions Bank. Okay? And when you open up the statement, you see what you really have. Right? And so when you reconcile the checkbook, you're bringing it into alignment with the truth, okay? Right? And sometimes you've got actually more money. The truth is you got more money than you thought you had. Most of the time you don't have as much as you thought you had. Let me write about it. Okay, all right. Okay. But, but reconciling is, is then we're, we're bringing that into alignment. So we're talking about sanctification you know, from what the Bible calls a carnal mind. To be carnally minded is death. A carnal mind, okay? What we're talking about there is where we're being set apart from the mindsets, attitudes, thoughts and thought processes, uh, belief systems, whatever, worldviews of this world, and are those things are being replaced in us by the way that Father God thinks and and His truth and so forth and so on. Does that make sense? And so then we talk about, you know, sanctification, and that's where so much of of religion and other churches, they they emphasize so much sanctification of the body as far as behavior and what we should do and shouldn't do. I uh, listen. There are things we should do and shouldn't do, but Jesus is trying to do the work on the inside of us so that it ultimately manifests and come through on the outside. Yes, sister. Yeah. So holy, becoming holy. Remember, and I, I know we've covered a lot of this already, but and we'll, we'll. I'm sure we'll repeat it more than once, but. But righteousness and um, holiness um, and godliness, these, these are not three synonyms. They, they all mean the same thing. Righteousness is a state of being. It's something you were made the day you became a new creation, creation in Christ Jesus. Holiness and godliness are states of doing. Okay, And so, for instance, holiness, it's, it's all the things you don't do because you've been made righteous. All right? It's all the jokes you don't tell, it's all the things you don't consume, it's all the uh, places you don't go, and, and so forth and so on, right? It was ways we don't talk, and, you know, cleaning up our behavior. We, we're not doing that to become righteous, we're doing that because we have already been made righteous, and so now we're, 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 we're bringing holiness into our lives, and so again, holiness is all the things you don't do anymore because you've been made righteous. Godliness, on the other hand, that's all the things that you do now because you've been made righteous. Reading your Bible, praying, coming to class, coming to church, worshiping the Lord, sharing the gospel, serving people, sac- all these other things—all these are acts of godliness, states of doing. Okay, so are you, are you following this? So, but to see the mistake that so many people make is, and and preachers make it—they tell people unless you're. You know, striving to live a holy life and unless you are doing godly things then you're not righteous. Your righteousness does not depend upon your acts of godliness or holiness. Your righteousness depends upon one thing and one thing only what Jesus has done for you in the blood of Jesus that was shed for you to make you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You received it by faith as a gift. So now our holiness and our godliness becomes an extension of our righteousness not an effort to make ourselves righteous, not something we do to be righteous, but something we do because we are. Right? Okay. And all of this, again, is—is is, I mean, we could talk about sanctification for the next three weeks because all of, all of this is, is just speaking of that work. See, if y'all remember all this stuff, I know some of you weren't here in these days, and I'm just feeling like, man, so much here to try to go back over. But remember we talked about that discipleship is the process by which the inward reality of the new birth becomes an outward manifestation or expression of life. What God's done on the inside of you, discipleship, is what enables the work that's already been done inside of you to shine through you, to to become something that you enjoy and experience in your life reality, but also um, is, is something that that other people benefit from in the world around you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not negotiate your own deal with God. He's talking about working outward what's already inward, that that coming outward. Remember, he, he said, I travail in birth again, Galatians, till Christ be formed in you. He was talking about people who've already been born again. Christ is formed in them. He travailed in birth. He went through a tremendous uh, effort to see those folks come to Jesus. Now that they've come to Jesus, he's going through another travailing, an, another intense effort to see the Christ that, that came to live inside of them become evident outside of them. That who's in them would become evident through them. Are you seeing this? Okay. So again, that is, that is speaking of the process of sanctification. Amen. So again, have been, have been, are being, will be. The Bible says your salvation will be complete when you trade this tent in for tent being permanent, I mean, tent being temporary dwelling place, your, your temporary body for your glorified body. The Lord told me when I spoke and at, at preached uh, Hiawatha's funeral that if we could see him now, because the, the, the born again spirit that was in his body, and he cared for his body, and if y'all knew Hiawatha, man, he. He was an immaculate dresser. I mean, he was groomed. I mean, he just, you know, amen. And, um, uh, but the outward part of us, a treasure in an earthen vessel, right? The, the, the outward part of us now simply does not have the ability to give expression to the glory that is already inside of you right now. And the Lord gave me two examples. He said it's like an old black and white television set trying to broadcast 4K video. Or it's like a single speaker transistor AM radio trying to broadcast hi-fi digital audio. Can't do it, right? And in that same way, your body right now does not have the capacity to express, give full expression to the glory that's inside of you, the treasure that's inside of you right now. Amen. But there's a new day coming. There's a new day coming. Amen. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, sir. Yes, uh. There you go. There you go. Amen. Amen. You got it. Amen. You're right on it. Those who are asking. He said, So is that what the glorified body is to give expression to? And yes, yes, and yes. I, I'm not trying to freak you out. I mean, we could go a long way, but you realize that your glorified body will not have blood. It won't. <laughs> ah! Amen. <laughs> Praise God. The Bible doesn't say this, but it does say this, all right? Because Jesus, Jesus is our example in all things, right? When he came back to this earth and spent 40 days on this planet, he was in a glorified body. He could eat food, right? They could hug him. They could touch him, right? And then he could walk through walls and he could fly. Okay? When the Lord said, because i listen to me, like It goes without saying, for those of you who, who know the relationship that Pastor Hiawatha and I had, I started to say this at this funeral. I didn't want to offend people, and I'm probably fixing to offend somebody right now, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. We were, we were crying and praying, pouring our hearts out to God together as two brothers at the altar. This was some years ago. And um, I just said, Lord, thank you so much for this man. Lord, th- just, just expressing my gratitude for him. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, I made up for a hundred people who've left this church when I sent you him. I said, man. Right? And so I'll just be honest with you. I, I, I was planning on him living to his 90s and then us talking about when he was going to leave here. You know, I was not ready for him to go. And um, and i just be honest with you. It, it, I'm still not completely over it, but I'm over it. You understand what I mean by that? But so when I say the Lord told me, if you could see him now, right? (laughs) If you could see him now. Right? Because Hiawatha was the kind of man that he he carried himself, um, but but it was excellence, it wasn't arrogance. Because excellence attracts people, arrogance repels them, and people were so attracted to him, children were attracted to him. People of every kind of race, background, socioeconomic, it didn't matter, man. They were attracted that brother. He's an apostle of love. Amen. Amen. And he stepped out of a tent, out of the, absent from the body. See again, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And the Bible says that your glorified body, my glorified body, has already been prepared and is waiting for us in heaven, it's already there. It's already there. One last verse along these lines. It says that that it, it speaks of the glory that shall be revealed in you, that shall be revealed. Now that's listen. That's twofold. Number one, you know this flesh can only give expression to so much. Okay, but I'll speak for myself. You speak for yourself. I got a long way to go to tap out the potential that this physical body has to express the glory that's already in it. Right. Absolutely. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify Father in heaven. Right? Amen. Amen. So absolutely. Well said. Well said. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So this is, again, you say, well, how does that fit in with discipleship? Discipleship is that whole process where we commit our... Remember... A disciple is someone who's made an, an uncommon commitment. A disciple is someone you know, who, who is you know, striving to, to, to learn by experience. You, you understand what I'm saying? To have Christ assimilated. Now, that means to be made similar. Well, here, you haven't just been made similar, you've been made identical. I'll show the verse later, but First John says that, It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see Him, we'll be like Him. Because when we see Him... We'll have stepped out of this body, right? And who we really are on the inside, again, I'm not trying to freak you out. If we could all just like, if I took the sweater off, if we could all just take our bodies off and stand here, there'd be a room full of folks who look just like Jesus in in this room. Amen. We were born of his seeds, no grandchildren. All born of the same seed, Jesus. Okay, we'll get to all that later as well. Okay. Let's go to 10:30 1030, Hebrews 10:39, just a few verses over. <clears throat> it says this, "But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul." Now I could have read several verses out of this chapter. It's a very rich chapter, very important chapter, okay? But I just want to focus on this because there's one thing we're going to, we're going to cherry pick out of here and then we're going to move on, alright? And, and he's talking about perdition, by the, by the way, means uh, to miss out. To miss out. Um, and so when we draw back from faith because of outside pressure and resistance against us, we miss out. But he's saying that's what other folks have done, but that's not what we're going to do. Amen. We're not going to draw back and miss out. We're not going to pull back and miss out, but we're going to keep pushing, okay? Because we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. To the saving of the soul. Let's go to James 1 and 21. So Hebrews, just one book over. Hebrews, James chapter 1, verse 21. And then we'll talk about these two verses together. All right? James 1 and 21. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Yes, sir, James 1 and 21. You know, let's kind of... I I know there's certain things I love to talk about I'm not trying to sidetrack us too much, but this is why God says that when someone who's born again leaves this earth, um, that it's precious in his eyes. You know, you, we've all heard it said, and it's sometimes just be a funeral cliche, you know. What's a sad goodbye on this side is a happy celebration and, and, and being welcomed by folks on the other side. And, and, um, but I think it's, it's more than that. Um, when he said that we have a treasure in an earthen vessel, if you recall, the... Pharisees were always picking at Jesus and picking on his disciples. And so they asked him one day, they said, um, Why um, do your disciples not fast and we all fast often? And Jesus says, Well, they, you know, they're not fasting now because it's time of celebration. He said, but There's coming a day when they will, because. You don't put new wine in an old wineskin. Okay? Now you think, well, Jesus, did you just want to say that and was looking for a spot to insert it? Or is there some connection here? And of course, there's a connection here. Jesus said, my disciples will fast because you don't put new wine in an old wineskin except for that is exactly what He did when we were born again. He put a new spirit and then the new wine of His spirit in the old wineskin of our flesh. So what does that have to do, why did He say that in conjunction with fasting? Fasting is one of the ways that we bring our body into subjection. We, We keep our flesh from ruling us, but instead we rule it. Paul said, I bring my body under subjection. I will not let it rule me. Okay? So again, Jesus said, My disciples will fast because you don't put new wine in old wineskins. But he has put new wine in the Bible, says our, he knows our, our frame, our, that it's but dust. <coughs> Speaking again of our body. So I believe one of the reasons that it's so precious, because remember, I just, verses are firing off inside of me, man, right? What did Paul say? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Right? And of course we know Jesus, that deliverance is there. So we are, if it's politically incorrect, I don't mean it that way. You know, we, we are handicapped in, in this body. Amen. I, when I say we. This being we, this being you. Now that doesn't mean, again, that through the renewing of the mind, we can't do the same works that Jesus did. Remember, Jesus said we would do what He did in even greater works. Jesus said. Now, see, notice how we're kind of transitioning out of um, what you are into who you are and why you are. See, notice now that we we've getting some foundation in place. Did did that verse? strike you a little different than maybe the first time I said it many weeks ago, right? Jesus said, because he goes to the Father, you'll do the works that he did, even greater works. He said, those who believe on him, speak with new tongues, tread upon the power of the enemy, lay their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Again, it's because this life flow, right? Flow out the end of your fingers like jumper cables. And all of that, listen to me now. You say, well, when's all that happening, Pastor Mark? I'm interested in that. You're but a renewed mind away from it right now if you're born again. That's That's the only difference. Remember, Jesus was here among us, but he was also connected to heaven. If you've been born again, you're here among us, you're also connected to heaven just like he was. Here's the primary difference between him and me and you right now. He was more aware of the world he came from than the world he was in. We're more aware of the world we're in than the world we come from. Another Damn is a good way of saying it. Another way of saying it is like a valve. A valve. See, the Holy Spirit's inside of you pouring out the love. That's why He said, do not shut up your heart of compassion from your brother in need. Holy Spirit's in you and me right now pouring out the very love of God. That's why Jesus said a new commandment before He left this earth, John 13. A new commandment. When He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbors yourself, He was quoting old commandments from the Old Testament. But now He says... Before I go, let me give you a new commandment. The new commandment is love others as I have loved you. Yeah. What? Yeah. How do we do that? Holy Spirit's inside of you pouring that love out. Yeah. But if we're, not, if we're not careful, we will shut the valve of our, of our mind, emotions, and will off and not allow that love to flow through us into the lives of other people around us. Healing flow through us into the lives of other people around us. Again, I know some of you joined us, and I, listen, I, if, if you don't, you know, if I tell folks, you know, is it too late to join the class? Come the last seven minutes of class 36, please, if, you, if that's all you can make, amen, alright? So I'm not, I don't want you to feel, you know, like embarrassed or something if you weren't here, you know, for some of these things that I'm referencing early, because a lot of these classes have, uh, you know, they do build upon uh, one another. But you can still jump in right now, and let's you know, let's go with it, right? Um, so, praise God when we we talk about you know discipleship and, and our, our destiny and, and what that's all about. You know, we you know if we're not born again and this relationship here is not reestablished, you know we're just that's Jesus, Jesus said it this way: it's a blind leading the blind. That's a dead man trying to help another dead man. Um, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So whenever you say like, you know, like, it's a sad goodbye here on earth, then it's like a happy hello in heaven. Okay. You say that in this vessel we have a treasure, right? Yes. Limited might be a better word. I don't offend anybody. It's handicapped. Oh, my God. He said handicapped. You know, they'll be marching or something. You know, just limited. We're limited. Right, limited. Hamstrung. Hamstrung. Whatever. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I mean, Bethany broke a bone, man, when she got out of the cast, all these other things, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's he's our father, right? right. And um, listen, his plan for you, I'm trying to think who said this, maybe Keith Moore, he said, you know, God does have more than a hundred year plan for you. <laughs> See, but remember, it's eternal purpose, eternal grace, yeah. eternal purpose. Now, what we do in this life is going to dramatically affect, you know, where we start in the next one, um, but it's, there will come a day when the sorrows of this life will be at most a faint memory. Some friends of ours, their, their uh, son and daughter-in-law she's given birth to their first child, we were sitting there all happy in the... Waiting room and all that stuff, and um, and you know, I just the baby's about to be born, and she came in. I saw her coming down the hall through the window, and she had this panic. the The grandmother had this panic look on her face, you know. Anyway, long story short, the doctor left the baby in the birth canal too long, and it and it smothered the baby. Man, that was that was hard, and. Um, They tried, and I I don't know, it was another day or so, you know. And um, if if that's painful for you, I'm not trying to be painful. I just want to tell you what the Lord told me when we were leaving the hospital with them a couple of days later. Obviously, they're just, we were devastated, so I can only imagine how they were devastated, you know. And the Lord told me, He said, there'll come a day in the distant future that they will not even remember leaving this hospital without her. I mean, after, like, what, if you've spent 3,000 years with her? You see what I'm saying? I, mean, I don't know what that looks like. I just know what the Lord said to me. He said, There will come a day when they won't remember this day because they'll have so many glorious memories. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, brother. No, I see there we go right I'm dead serious now if you think about if you think about we won't even talk about We won't even say in reference to like relationships that we like intimate relationships with our significant others or boundaries or crossed or anything like that We'll just say like Somebody doing something that rubs you the wrong way You're in you know what I'm saying like I know me personally I've got to remind myself you know that WWJD Forgive and have that grace, whereas you said it was, what was, it was his what? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was his nature? Yeah. Whose nature have you become a partaker of now? <laughs> See? No, 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 I'm not trying to embarrass you, I'm just trying to show you, right? So the answer is kind of one of those verily, verily, assuredly, most assuredly, right? Would Jesus have ever given us a commandment that He would not have given us the capacity to fulfill? Right? But here, here's the thing. It's kind of like unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of a Pharisee, you're not entering the kingdom. And they saw this Pharisee, and he was like the poster child for righteousness, and they're thinking, well, we might as well not even try anymore, right? But what Jesus was talking about there was not trying to exceed their outward expression of righteousness, but to receive His gift of righteousness that would be offered to them, right? And, and so that righteousness does exceed the outward righteousness of a Pharisee. So when he says, a new commandment I give, yes, it's a commandment, but it's also um, almost prophetic in what Jesus knew was about to happen because through the new birth, again, new nature, partaker of his nature, Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Romans 5, Holy Spirit is, for some reason I picture it like with a bucket. I don't know why. But the Holy Spirit's inside of us because Jesus said, I should, it's river, not bucket, but I don't know why. I just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. But he said the Holy Spirit inside of us will be like rivers, plural, of living water flowing from your innermost being, flowing out of your belly, outward into your life. So the Holy Spirit, among other things that He's pouring out inside of you and me, is the love of God. So can I love like Jesus loved in my own strength and ability? Absolutely not. But can I love other people like Jesus loves if I allow Him to love them through me? Absolutely yes. But how does He love them through me? First it has to begin, we've got to open the valve of the mind, right? And sometimes, great question, but sometimes it begins with just simply believing that it's possible. You know? Amen. But I believe, and you'll know it, man, you will know it, that 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 you can so love another human being that, that, that when it's all said and done, whatever's resolved in their life, it would have been no different if Jesus Himself had been there loving them. He's loving them through you. He's loving them through you. So, there you go. Amen. Yep. That's it, right? You get them back. You're going to let them walk all over Yeah, Yeah, see, that's the flesh part, right? And if you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you know, you won't be loving them like Jesus. You'll be whooping them, you know what I'm saying? You'll be be, be getting all upset. Okay. take in all this information. Yes. And most of us in here we're in a controlled environment. And it's just admit so I can, thirty weeks from now or twenty six weeks from now I walk out the front door. I mean how how does it and I've learned a lot of stuff since I've been in here. Yeah. Well, it's a great question. So for those of you who are asking, he's like, you know, 26 weeks of classes, lots of information, lots of good, tr- I'm just trying to paraphrase for the, for the folks that are watching on, on the camera. Um, but, uh, there's some brothers and sisters that are part of this class that are in the foundry. So he's speaking like, well, it's a controlled environment. And then yeah, there's, they come in very soon when, when all of a sudden phase out and go back to the real world, that kind of thing. And do we just turn the valve on and off and that sort of thing. So what, I'm, it's right there. Okay? So I'm on, but, but Luke 21 and 19. Let's jump ahead. Okay? Sure, yeah. See, because again, faith, hope, and love, not fear, regret, and selfishness. And so that's the fear. Here, here is what, and, and thank you, thank you, thanks. Great question, great point, great comment. Here's here what, Here's what we've got to remember, cannot forget, okay? Number one, He knows your frame, that your flesh was made from the dust of the earth. What was, what was uh, Satan in the Garden of Eden? Serpent. What, but remember what he said. He, he, deception, but he said, you will eat dust. You will eat dust. You'll crawl in your belly and you'll eat dust. Flesh is made from dust. That's what the devil tries to manipulate the flesh because it came from the from the dust of the earth and it'll return to the dust of the earth. And, and, and God understands that. It's not about excuses, it's about understanding what he understands and benefiting from it. Okay? He understands that we are living in a body and the and the passions and the and the weaknesses and the limitations of that flesh. That's not, again, it's not about an excuse. Well, just the devil made me do it. No, no, that's not what we're saying, okay? But we can't forget that God knows this and He understands this and He is a merciful God. Okay? The other thing you absolutely cannot lose sight of right, is that He said when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, He will live in you forever. He will abide in you forever. So what He began in you, He who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it under the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So He started a walk in you. In all of us, right? And He is wanting to continue that work in us. So, some of us came to heritage. Some of us went to the foundry. Was a, listen, I know, don't be in, hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to do that. It, none of that matters. What matters is what we're receiving, where we are now, what He's giving us, and what we now have the capacity to do moving forward that we simply did not have before because we were ignorant before. Okay? So so now we've got options that we didn't even know were available to us. We've got faith that we didn't even know was given to us, right? We've got partners. We've got other people like Precious Faith that God's joined us to, amen, other members of the body of Christ. So all, all of these things. So when I say it's a process, it is a process, but let's enjoy the ride, Let's enjoy the ride. Or you notice know, what I mean by this, right? So when, when I held uh, my daughter uh, in my arms, man, I just, you know, again, it's such an amazing moment in my life. And I, I enjoyed her being a baby, right? And I didn't change a lot of them, but I was a pretty good dad. I, I did change some. I mean, it wasn't like I enjoyed changing diapers, but she's a baby, for crying out loud. Babies poop their pants, right? And so it was an expression of of love and just to realize how dependent she was. And all these other things. I didn't get mad at her. I didn't judge her. Let's send this child to hell because they pooped their diaper twice in a row. Now, no, no. See, I understood that she was a child. I understood that she was uh, being sanctified. She was growing. That she was developing. Right. But at the same time, I had hopes for her. I enjoyed those early years. But I'm listen. I'm enjoying Oliver right now. But I'm ready for Oliver to say my name. Are you? What I'm saying? I'm ready for him to be able to take that little tennis ball and throw it for his puppy. They've got this little. Yorkie, like we've got a Yorkie, and and that little puppy when Oliver gets upset, uh, Molly is the dog's name. So Molly and Ollie, right? Amen. I don't know if the next one's going to be Polly or what, but anyway, Amen. So Molly will bring Oliver when he's upset, crying, diaper changing. She'll go get her favorite little tennis ball, it's one of those little small tennis balls. She'll bring it, she'll put it up there by it and like root it with her nose to his hand, like like this makes me feel better, buddy. Let's let's play ball or something, right? So. But again, He's not at a place to throw that ball yet. Do, do, but do we, do we have great expectations of Him achieving that level of development. Yes, yes, right? And we look forward to that. But it's not like, when's that kid going to grow up and throw that ball? No, it's like we're going to enjoy this. And, and so in the same way, I think sometimes we lose sight of that Jesus paid for our sin not in part but in whole so that our sin will never separate us from our Father ever again because Jesus paid for sin past, present, and future. He's bled to death naked on the cross for sin I haven't committed yet. I don't use that as an excuse to go and sin, but because His seed abides in me, there's a part of me, the real part of me, that cannot sin, therefore cannot be separated from God the Father. And He understands that better than most people on planet Earth understand that. Right? He did that for me. I didn't say, Look, Jesus, if you're going to die for me. You either take care of all my sin or don't care of any of it. He, he did this because this was what He wanted to have with me and to have with you. Right? Amen. See, when we, the Bible says this in 1 John uh, chapter 3 the ones who have the hope of this in their hearts, it'll motivate me and you to purify our lives even as Christ is pure. So this isn't like, well, you know, this wishful thinking. No, no, see, these are the things that motivate us to not do the junk we used to do. Right? So what happens then is our minds are are being renewed and and the more our minds are being renewed, the, the more what's in here is 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 leaking through, is is passing through. The strength that's in here to say no to sin. All of these things, right? So don't be afraid. He's got you. He's got you. Amen. But now we also though have to remember this please hear me. Please hear me. You can cooperate with him and grow at an exponential rate. Or you can let off the gas and coast along in life and never tap into a smidgen of the potential that already abides in you here. Amen. See, he... things better for you today than they were when you first saw my face? Why? Okay. Okay. So, that has to be what gives us hope that the more I understand, the more He teaches me, the more He shows me, the more I learn and grow, the more. See, th- th- this is... Let- The reason the Foundry and other programs like it are set up the way that they are is that it's designed the structure. Some of you had structure for you; you didn't come to the Foundry for structure. Other folks never had structure day in their lives, right? But structure is not an end; it's a means. In other words, we're not like, okay, well, if you got structure, you got recovery. So go, no, no. Structure provides the opportunity for recovery. Okay. But listen, now, think about it for a moment for my foundry brothers and sisters. I've said this so many times you know, to other, to other groups. Maybe I haven't said it here or haven't said it enough. There are things that are going to be more challenging when you leave the foundry than while they are right now while you're in the foundry. But the opposite is also true as well. There are things that are more challenging now, that are not going to be as challenging when when you. So it, it's I'm, not, I'm not, it's too broad of a spectrum of life experience to say that it's a wash. In other words, one cancels out the other, right? But the enemy brings pressure against us in the form of tests, trials and temptation. He brings that pressure to try to get us to draw back and miss out. Hashtag resistance is real. Okay? Now, it's really his only option. Because if he doesn't try to stop us, we will walk right into our promised land and live our promised life untouched, unhindered. So he's got to try to stop us. But every time he does it, he takes a chance. It's a chance he's willing to take because he doesn't have any other option. But here's the chance he takes. If he brings pressure against you and you don't cave in, all he succeeded in doing is making you stronger. All he succeeded in doing is making you harder to deal with the next time. Making you harder to confuse and and trip up the next time. Okay? If he does bring pressure against you and you do pull back and fall, he still hasn't won if you get up. Because he can't stop you from getting up. Though a man fall seven times, he'll get up eight. Right? You hear what I'm saying? Right? So, what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that whatever success or failure is ahead of you, right? <laughs> whatever success or failure is ahead of me, amen. It doesn't change Father's love for me. Doesn't change His plans for me. Doesn't change His grace and. Pr- Remember, we're going to talk about the forgiveness of sins we haven't committed yet. I know I mentioned that earlier. Some of you are like really. Was not all your sin future when He died for it? Amen. That's what I'm saying. It was all future. It was all future when He died for your sin and my sin. Amen. So, but again, praise God. So, the 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 point that I'm trying to make is there is a shift. Listen to me, please. Now, a shift that absolutely, positively has to, and in Jesus' name will take place for every one of us, no matter what it is that God has brought us out of. And that is when your life goes from being defined by what you're running from to being defined by who you're running to. Okay? As long as your life is defined by trying to stay two steps ahead of addiction, that's what your life is being defined by what you're running from. But at some point... A tipping point where it's no longer about what I'm running from, but who I'm running towards. It's a completely different approach to life. Okay? Because when it becomes about who you're running towards, even if you still trip over what you've been running from, it don't matter because that's not your focus. So This is what I see a lot of folks do in recovery. Back there's what they're running from, This way is God's best life for them, right? And this is what they try to do. Try to keep their eye on that while headed towards that. Don't work. He said, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. Do you realize how much trust, reliance, confidence, dependence it takes upon God to sit down and feast at the things He's prepared for you at His table with a real threat behind you with a knife wanting to cut your throat? But you turn your back on the threat... And you sit down at His table and you enjoy what He has for you to feast upon, right? So, a table in the presence of your enemies. Amen. So, But as long as you're trying to keep one eye in the world and, and, and move towards God's highest and best for your life, see, you, you ain't, you're not seated at the table yet. You're still focused on, on all that business. Amen that's one of the chapters in the book we ain't got there yet but anyway praise god i mean it's with the book's written that part of the book's written but i'm talking about it as far as teaching that yet okay so amen so the best thing we can do is just is just take a deep breath and let's enjoy what god's teaching us today and continue to move forward in that yes my brother uh, no nah, go ahead with it. So the, the the spiritual the the um okay this because just so many opinions right I'm, and I'm if I ever I've told some of you this before if I ever it's going to be my opinion I'll wave a red flag here comes an opinion right okay but so this is an opinion this is what the Bible says about it okay um. Yes or no, the problem of addiction would fall into the category of what the Bible calls a lust of the flesh. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. right? There's something your your flesh craves and wants and longs for and is pulled towards and drawn after, okay? So the Bible says to a born again man or woman, this is very important, okay? To a born again man or woman, if you set, set, okay? We used to call them television sets. And I was the remote control, and we had four channels to choose from. I, I didn't throw four up there. I, I said three, but we really... I said four, but if you count PBS, right? Channel 10, public, public broadcasting. Okay. And we would go, and they would say, set that channel, right? So the idea is, we're talking about a deliberate, intentional act. If you, if you do set your mind on the things of the flesh, you just participated in something called the law of attraction. Whatever you set your mind upon, He said you will follow after. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you will follow after the things of the flesh. But, if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will follow after the Spirit, and if you follow after the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only way to overcome addiction is by default. Do you understand default? If you try to focus on the flesh, even for the purpose of fixing something in your flesh, you're going to follow after the flesh. I'll never be like my mother, I'll never be like my mother, I'll never be like my mother, said the girl who grew up to be just like her mother. Because she focused on it. Because she focused on it. She was drawn towards it, and it was drawn towards her. So, I didn't say it exactly that way, but yeah. Now, that's where people start getting nervous, right? I don't agree with, how my name is John, and I'm an addict. I don't agree with that. I understand why A-A-N-A says that because their thinking is if you ever forget then you'll go back okay well that's not true thank you because when we move forward right we're putting distance between ourselves and that old way of thinking and that old way of doing all right now somebody said but pastor mark you know it seems like there are some things that, you know, maybe I, I need to remember. And so here's my answer to that. Um, as long as you need to remember something from the past to help you in the future, which it may be rare, but I, I, I think there are certain situations where that's the case, then the Holy Spirit will help you remember that. And I, He won't let you forget it as long as you need to remember it. Okay. But this idea that you need to expend mental, emotional, and spiritual energy on remembering something from the past in hopes that it will help you moving forward is a, is a trick of the devil. It's a trick of the devil to try to get you focused on where you came from instead of where you're going. out. Amen. Amen. So some of you heard me say this before too. You know, if I thank God I don't have one right now, but you know, um, I, if there's a piece of dead skin on the side of my finger, I can chew on it all day till I get to the part that's alive. And when I get to the part that's alive, yah, all right, okay. So if it's dead, talk about it, discuss it with anybody. If like, oh, I don't like talking about that part of my life, I do not like talking about that no more, you know, till we counselor and stuff like that. If if there's sensitivity there, you better be talking to somebody that knows God and can give you some godly counsel. Because that means there's still something alive in there that needs, needs to be unearthed and, and dealt with. But again, that's going to be somewhere here, here, and then it'll manifest here. Amen? So, I really got excited about Luke 21, 19, and I don't remember exactly what it was in conjunction with, but we're going to go there since you're there, okay? Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He just reminded me. All right. So it says, the New King James Version says, by your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, possess your souls. King James Version, I think, says, possess ye your souls. By your endurance. In your patience. Okay, thank you. Possess your souls, okay. All right. So, the word he says, his says, by your in, uh, endurance, you'll gain your, gain your lives. Okay. So let's talk for a minute about this word patience, and I actually prefer the um, the definition of. Oh my God! I'm answering this question. I guess I'll wait for him to get back. Amen. All right. Can't live in two places. Can't serve two masters. Can't, 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 right? And and that's the trick the devil plays on us, all right? So, by your patience, possess your souls. I don't have a problem with the word patience except for this one problem, okay? Most people have a wrong idea of what patience actually is they think of patients from the perspective of being impatient. In other words, not impatient, but impatient. Like your appointment to see the dentist to have your teeth cleaned was at, um, at 12.15 and now it's 1.30 and they still haven't called you back and you're getting impatient. Okay. So the, the, the point here that we need to better understand, that's why I like the word endurance. Okay, Endurance. Because endurance is the ability to continue... In the right direction, when there's uh, resistance or you know there's unfavorable circumstances that are trying to stop you, okay. Perseverance is another great word for this, okay. It's it's where we just simply refuse to quit. We continue to to you know diligence. The Bible says is a man's precious possession. It Says the lazy man does not roast what he killed in hunting, okay. So it's fun to catch a fish. Not so fun to scrape all the scales off the fish and gut the fish and get or cook the fish. We like to, it's fun to catch them, fun to eat them, but all that in between, right? Okay. So the lazy man, he says, doesn't roast what he what he kills when he hunts. He just wants the thrill of the hunt, but does not want the follow through, and and that's diligence, diligence, endurance, perseverance, patience. A man, man with a woman, woman's precious possession. He said, okay. Now, notice what Jesus said to us. He said, by your patience, by your endurance, possess your souls. Possess your souls. So, think about it here for a minute. He's talking about regaining something, regaining possession of something that you, for whatever reason, no longer had possession of. Anybody in here ever felt like your drug of choice owned you? Ever felt like some unhealthy relationship, that person in that relationship owned you? Felt like, you know, things or maybe you had possessions, you know, a car, you know, that you put ahead of all kind of other important things or hobby or what have you to the point that that it feels like that it owns you? Well, guess what? It did own you. It consumed your thoughts. It consumed your mind. It consumed the way that you, you looked at things, the way you looked at your life, the way you looked at yourself. When Jesus says, by your, by your endurance, by your patience, you'll regain or gain possession of your soul. He's talking about this part of you regaining possession of this part of you instead of this part of you being possessed by or owned by things of the flesh. By your endurance, possess ye your soul. So what's happening in a lot of your lives is you're going from other things, other substances, heroin possessing your soul. And I, I'm not talking about being demonically possessed. I mean so consumed with, so occupied with that. Amen. So Jesus says that we, you, regain possession of your soul by Pastor Mark laying hands on you? I wish. Perseverance. Endurance. When everything against you is, is is trying to get you to sleep in on a Sunday morning, but you get on up and you come to church and you worship Jesus and you learn and you hear and you grow, guess what? You just endured. You just endured and you just regained a little more possession of, of your ability to think, your emotions that correspond with your thoughts and your choices that are influenced by those emotions. So we're going from something else possessing our faculties as far as the soul is concerned. To to our regaining control over those. Yes. I just I just wanna know why it's so much harder for others like others compared to others. It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I'm trying. I didn't mean to say it that way. Well, okay, so great question. It would take me a long time to answer it, but let me, let me just try to touch on it, okay? Our life trajectory is determined by things that were initially out of our control. Um, we were all in a family before we knew we were on planet Earth. And so when you couple the disposition that everybody has, which is, you know, varies, and combine that with the, with the way we were, you know, parented and raised, things that, that we were taught, that, that helped us, things that we were not taught that somebody should have, things that, you know, you see, you know, so there's a whole spectrum here that you know, determines, it's, it's a factor in that. That's why there's no such thing as cookie-cutter recovery. Okay. But on the other side of the coin, God said that, that no one is unique in the sense that you, you as an individual will never and have never gone through anything that someone else hasn't also gone through. Okay. But the great equalizer is, is the grace of God. The great equalizer is the Holy Spirit. Okay? But now here is, if I could, just, I've been doing this a long time. Okay? To me, the the greatest, I guess, factor in why it's hard for some or harder or seems to be harder for some than others. It can really, I think, it's it's one word, and it's the word willingness. Willingness, okay. Um, in, in other words, if if you're if you're willing, right? Um, I I don't I don't mean this arrogantly, okay. But um, you know, if you'll just like get out of pulling away and get in neutral, then I I, I can help. I can help move you to, you, say, you know what I'm saying? To the Word of God, Holy Spirit in me. I'm not, I'm not talking about Mark Mark. I'm just saying, you know, what the Lord does and, and what He's anointed me to do, okay? Um, and so obviously that's one thing that, that, that all of you have in common is your willingness. You know, you, you could be watching TV, you could be asleep, you could be you know, doing whatever. Some of you didn't even eat supper, so you could come to this class and it'll stay until after service tonight and your day started before the crack of dawn this morning, right? It says willingness there. You and have knowledge our you knowledge? have a, of like it, a it can, it can. Um, and it's important, but for some people, the knowledge they have is their problem. The See? So again, it's hard to give a, a, a blanket answer to that. Um, I don't know why this keeps coming up, and I know I'm not, I'm not trying to be offensive. Just hear me, though, okay? Um, <clears throat> we've got to go after the things of God with a greater intensity than we went after the things of the flesh. And and it just I say this over and over and over again. But when we were chasing the lust of the flesh, no amount of money was too much. No inconvenience was too great. Staying up all night and half the next day was nothing. Um, staying up three or four days at a row was nothing. Now we come into the kingdom and it's like some spirit of laziness gets on us. Two Sundays, two services on a Sunday, are you kidding me? Right? See, read my Bible, are you kidding me? See, there was, but look, see, we went after those things with such intensity and we come into the kingdom and it's like we just want to put it on autopilot or something and 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 it and it doesn't work that way it's 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 the it's it's the willingness right so <sighs> praise god let me let me let me i'm jumping probably 6 weeks ahead right now but I just I'm feeling compelled to do it Some of you have heard me teaching these things before. I think I taught on them in the ladies' class, so some of you may be a little overlap here. In Romans 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul identifies three laws. Okay? It's going to help answer your question and other questions, all right? He identifies three laws. The first is the law of Moses, commandments written in stone. The second one is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and the third one he gives a title to in chapter 8, but he talks about it extensively, explaining what it is in the preceding chapter, chapter 7. And it's called the Law of Sin and Death. So you've got the Law of Moses, you've got the Law of Sin and Death, and you've got the Law of the Spirit of Life in Christ Jesus. Now here's what you've got to understand about a law. A law produces the same result every time doesn't change. They're established by God. Gravity, for instance, is a mathematical equation that can be expressed in a law, and it cannot determine your intent. In other words, if you, if you step off the side of a roof, gravity you can go, oh, he didn't mean to do that, so let's let him drift gently down to the ground. So it cannot modify its results based upon intent. So laws can either be your best friends or they can be your worst enemies. Laws are meant to, created by God, they're meant to bless you. Okay? But because laws are just that, we have to understand those laws and modify our life to accommodate them. They're not going to modify their result to accommodate us. Okay? Now, When Paul was talking about the law of Moses and why the law of Moses was given, it was not given to to make a man righteous. It was not given to curtail sin. And it was not given as a means by which we could receive our inheritance. The law cannot make you righteous, the law cannot keep you from sinning, and the law cannot provide you with your inheritance, what what belongs to you because you're God's son or daughter. Just the opposite, actually, is what's revealed to us in Romans chapter 7, and that is that the law did not slow sin down or stop sin altogether, but it caused sin to explode. Tell someone not to do something, it makes them want to do it. Okay? Even more. Right? Now, what is that? What is that? Tell me don't do it, and I didn't even know that was available to do, and now I want to do it. I want to try it. Right? Okay? Fentanyl is a classic example of that. Some people heard about fentanyl this way Fentanyl's killing people. It's such a potent opiate. Oh, really? Where do I get some? Now, absolutely it's happened. Been to too many funerals because of it. right? Now, what Paul is trying, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to make us aware of is that operating in our flesh is a hidden law. The law of sin and death. And God gave the commandments knowing that it would cause not sin to stop, but sin to explode to try to expedite the process of us coming to the conclusion that we cannot do it without Him. We cannot make ourselves right without Him. To make us, if you will, aware of this hidden law in our members at work inside of us that is called the law of sin and death. And that law of sin and death is inside. Everybody that's got a human body, physical body right now, has the law of sin and death inside that body trying to work in you. But thank God Jesus brought in a new law. There's a new sheriff in town in my life and in yours now. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How does the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus works? How does it work? It works this way. Set your mind on the things of the spirit and you will follow after the things of the spirit. And if you follow after the things of the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will not fulfill the desires of this unseen law yet every one of us have Stumbled over it and been tripped up by it many times in our flesh. Now, watch this. Please listen to this. Are you with me so far? Yes, you're with me so far. So now, let me show you how to illustrate this. Think of the law of sin and death like the law of gravity. The law of gravity kept us pinned to this earth, watching birds fly overhead as, as a human race, longing to fly, and all these crazy flying machines that people tried to come up with and and hurt themselves, kill themselves, right? Trying to fulfill this desire within us to fly, but that gravity just would not let up. Because it's a law. So we discovered a law that does not do away with gravity, but it's a law that enables us to rise above it. It's called the law of lift. Or we could simplify it by the laws of flight. And it has to do with the shape of an aeroplane wing, amen, and, and the amount of air going over the top being different from the amount of air sliding underneath, and it creates a pocket and forward movement and so forth and so on. But there we go, shazam. If we operate in this new set of laws, now we can fly. But again, it doesn't do away with gravity. It enables a man or a woman in an airplane operating in another set of laws to overcome the law of gravity. So the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus works for you and me the same way as it relates to the law of sin and death. This is why one of my recovery maxims, you've heard me say it perhaps already, you cannot outrun addiction, but you can rise above it. Because addiction has its roots in the law of sin and death. And because it's a law, the only way you can overcome one law is with a superior law. And so the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus says that as long as I'm in this airplane of setting my mind on the things of the Spirit and going after the things of the Spirit, I am rising higher and higher and higher above the thing that used to pull me down into the very gutter of life. So now you've got somebody cruising at an altitude of 14,000 feet. They can't even hardly see the old life. They can't even hardly see life. You know what things used to be like, and all of this stuff. This would kind of fall into this conversation we've had about forgetting where we came from, forgetting addiction, forgetting withdrawals, forgetting vomiting, and, and, and all of this stuff, right? And so, you know, we need to we need to remember that. What we're saying is we need to we need to stay really close to the ground so we can still see it. No, it's not that you need to remember that. It's that you need to remember that what has enabled you to rise up out of that is something called the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And don't be so foolish as to think that you can step out of the airplane and it's not going to suck you back down into its grasp. So we come to the foundry and almost by default, because we're bombarded with it 24 hours a day, Jesus, God, the Bible, worship, the Word. Jesus, God, the Holy Ghost, Bible, worship, counseling, more Jesus, more God, more Bible, more things of the Spirit, right? Some people aren't willing to ever set their mind on the things of the Spirit, and they stay sucked down. They get clean, they get sober, but it's... it's... Amen. I don't even go there. Because that ain't us, right? We're not, we're not of those who pull back and miss out. We're those who believe to the saving of the soul. So that the work that's been done here is continuing here. Amen. So now, this is why the third phase program is passed, right? You've got to go from the accountability that you had living in an institution to establishing healthy accountability outside of that institution. And because we've already admitted that things are more challenging outside of the institution, right? Do we need less setting of the mind on the things of the Spirit? Or more things? Are you see? Right? In other words, we, we need to give her the gas, baby. We, we, you know, I mean, it's like the law of sin and death. Just I'm just exposed to it now in a way that I wasn't the last nine months of my life at the foundry. And so, you know, let's give her another engine here. Let's, right? But I see so many folks, they turn the engine off, and they begin the glide, right? Right, right back into it. And you start seeing it coming, and that's when you start telling yourself stuff like, well, that's when people call me. You know, and I'm not, call me, please call me. But, you know, just call me, hey, person, Marcos, how's you going? Yes. Remember me? I was the guy that was going to, you were going to be my pastor, you know, about nine months ago. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you <laughs> I've been busy. I had a job. Talking 90-nothing. Y'all still having church down there? It's like, yeah, buddy. 20, 20 plus years now. 20 plus years. Okay, yo, I'll see you Sunday. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> minute when they told me. Right? What are they trying to do? They're starting to realize this plane's going down, baby, and we're trying to figure out how to get this thing cranked back up again. Right? Out of gas, gas law, sin, and death is sucking it down hard and fast, right? Okay. So if you will just learn how to fly the plane and keep flying the plane, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. The word is the fuel. I like to even simplify it beyond that. Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Setting your mind on the things of the spirit. My Lord, where's the time go? All right. Yes, Miss Laura. I'm just gonna say, you know, I have people ask me or say, Oh look I know you struggle, you know, um, it must be hard, you know after getting treatment. And I don't Amen. You're flying above it, sister. You rise, you've, you've risen above it and you've continued to fly the plane for how many years now? Uh, I'll be, uh, four, years. four years. Been flying the plane for four years. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Life's better today than it's ever been. And it's all and now, Sure. It's all God. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's His ways. It's His ways. And so, again, don't be the one who thinks you're the exception to the law well that's done if no no you're not I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not. okay everybody good? yes four years congratulations brother. Amen four years it's good it's good. Remember, they kept looking back to Egypt. Want to go back to Egypt. Want to go back to Egypt, right? Yeah, look where Laura's sitting tonight. How many times have you had this class? How many, Is this the first time you've taken this class? I don't think so. It is the first time? Okay. I know there's other things she's done, been part of. right? Yeah, look where she's sitting tonight. Good point, Pam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Graham Buffer took this class six times. How Sheffield took it eight times. Bryce, I don't know how many times Bryce Hankins has taken it. Willing. 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 And, and I, look, I know we've had some personal conversations, but you've, you've been willing in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways you've been willing to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right? Am I right about it? See, that's huge, brother. That's huge. Huge. Yes. Amen. Court ordered, not willing. Amen. But he got willing, didn't he? He got willing. Amen. He got that wake-up call from his kids. It turned his heart, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 pride. Just plain old stinking pride. I mean, just I know better than you. I know more than you. This place hurt. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the point. You have all these backgrounds and things, but you know, if if we'll just let the Lord work in our lives and give Him that place, it doesn't matter if you were raised in, you know, you understand. My mother was raised in just absolute total dysfunction. She's got three children in the ministry today. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it you know that it doesn't mean that you know just because somebody had a more of a spiritual upbringing than somebody else that walks in the door. Man, if if they'll just be willing and and listen and let the Lord help them, put them over the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Father, give to us, we love you. I release your wisdom and your truth and the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you to my brothers and sisters tonight. thank you, Lord, for this time together. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, this is more than just a, a class where we receive information. This is where your Holy Spirit is imparting your truth in our inward parts, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Love you all. Be blessed. Good things coming.